everyone, and welcome to the Learn to Lead podcast brought to you by Ability, an experiential learning company based in beautiful Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Matthew Confer, and today on the show, we have Steven Rogelberg, who is the Chancellor's Professor at UNC Charlotte, and his most recent book, The Surprising Science of Meetings, was recognized by the Washington Post as the number one leadership book to watch out for in 2019. Thanks so much for joining us today, Steven. It's my pleasure. Happy to be here. I'm going to start by diving into a talk you gave at Google, where you mentioned that you have been doing research on meetings for over 20 years, and you kicked off that talk by sharing a statistic that there are approximately 55 million meetings a day in the United States. So let's start here. How did you first get interested in meeting science? Um, well, I'm an organizational psychologist, and as an organizational psychologist, um, I'm very much um, I'm passionate around studying topics of great practical importance to organizations. And, um, but for me personally, I'm also attracted to topics that are real pain points for people um, and teams and departments. And when you think about meetings, I mean, it's the perfect fit, right? They, people spend so much time in meetings and yet they're so frustrated. And so I began a journey to try to understand um, meetings and how they can be improved, you know, where is this frustration coming from, um, and how organizations can better leverage meetings. And um, it was just, it's, it, to me, it felt like an incredibly important and practically relevant, uh, you know, research stream. Hmm. So with all the work that you've done in the years of work that you've studying kind of meeting satisfaction, who is the most satisfied when a meeting is over? Yeah, so this is always um, a fun research finding. Uh, you know, basically, when we, when we survey folks um, at the end of a meeting, there invariably is one person who leaves the meeting saying that was a good use of time. And I think you could probably guess it. Do you want to take a guess who that per most satisfied individual is? I think my guess would probably be the person who called the meeting. Yeah, so the meeting leader, right? And, and this really shouldn't surprise us, um, but this, this meeting leaders, they have the power, they have the control. And you know, we also find that the amount of time people talk in meetings, well, they are more satisfied with the meeting. So um, you know, it's the, the meeting leader um, you know, feels great about the experience. And, um, but when you think about all the incredible levels of frustrations out there, you realize that this also represents a blind spot of sorts, right? I mean, we know that that leader perception of the meeting is misaligned. Um, if the if all these leaders, you know, leading the leaving the meeting saying, "Yeah, that was great," well, we wouldn't see these tremendous levels of frustration. One thing that is fascinating to me is when you say meeting science, what does it mean to actually study meetings? Are you physically sitting in on meetings? Are you watching recordings of meetings? How do you get the data that drives the research that you do? Great question. Um, so meeting science is just the you know study of meetings, what takes place before meetings, during meetings, and, and after meetings. And it looks at meetings from you know the individual, leader, team, departmental, and organizational perspective. And whenever you're engaging in any science, there's multiple methods that are used uh, to study it, depending on the research question of interest. So, you know, we could survey people about their meetings overall. Uh, we can um, have meetings conducted um, on campus or remotely, 
that we observe uh, through a camera. Um, we can uh, you know, video these meetings and code the types of interactions we see. We can have um, folks keep a diary. Um, and at the end of the day or at the end of the meeting, they provide uh, evaluations. Um, and uh, so you know, between observation, um, ex and we've even conducted experiments where you know, we use Confederates who, let's say someone shows up late uh, to a meeting, and then we kind of look at the effects of that. So, you know, between experiments, surveys, observations, diaries, you know, we can approach this topic um, and hopefully find some, you know, important insights. Hmm. So let's jump straight into the deep end. I saw a quote where the psychologist Adam Grant called you, quote, the world's leading expert on how to fix meetings. So let me first ask, what is wrong with most meetings before we jump into how to fix them? Yeah, so I mean, meetings are plagued with a host of different problems and challenges. Um, you know, the most common meeting complaints are um, attending meetings that you really don't need to be there. Um, it's just not relevant to you. Um, the meeting is too large um, and you know, meeting size is, a, is a, a big problem, right? Because there's only so much engagement you can have with large meetings. So the meeting is over, over is kind of bloated in size. Time is, um, you know, the, the, the meeting is just not focused. The meeting leader is not fully embracing their role as a leader. Um, they kind of stand passively by and just watch the meeting unfold as opposed to kind of be that, taking on that more active role. Um, the meeting meanders, it could be dominated by a particular person. Um, so engagement is not balanced. It, does, it doesn't feel safe and inclusive. You know, the meeting ends and people don't necessarily know what was decided. Um, and, and even if they do think something was decided, nothing actually happens. Um, so those are some of the, you know, the common complaints you hear about meetings. One thing that you talked about in the discussion that I saw that was recorded was your research found that half of all meetings start late. Um, why do you think this is? What are the ramifications and maybe what can be done about it? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the reason why um, most meetings start late um, is a meeting that was right before it. Um, it's very strange that when we schedule meetings, uh, we typically uh, don't schedule any schedule any intervals between them. So we know how schools are set up, right? We we design school calendars. I mean, school daily calendars, such that people have certain amounts of uh, instruction, and then there's time to move to the next event. But in organizations, uh, we don't have that. We can just pack these things together. Now, in a COVID environment where people are working at home, um, you know, maybe there's not as much lateness because it's just you know they click on the next Zoom button. But that's where some of the fatigue comes in, right? People don't get any respite um, between meetings. So, you know, really the, um, the best solution is, you know, let's change our meeting times. Like, there's just nothing sacred about a 60 minute meeting or a 30 minute meeting. I mean, these are just artifacts um, of, of these, uh, you know, Outlook programs and Google Calendar. Um, so one of the things that, you know, I spend a lot of time talking about in the, in the book is kind of, you know, re reclaiming the meeting, make choices, um, you know, become a good steward of others' time. And one of those ways a good stewardship manifests is, is to really consider how long should the meeting be given what you're hoping to accomplish and, you know, give it some thought. And you might say, well, you know, I think I can do this in 20 minutes. 
great, then do it in 20 minutes. But by defaulting to an hour um, or just a set amount of time like that, we fall victim to something called Parkinson's law. And Parkinson's law is this idea that work expands to fill whatever time is allotted to it. So if you schedule for an hour, it magically will take an hour. Um, but we can use this to our advantage, right? By scheduling meetings for 35 minutes, it will take 35 minutes. And what's really exciting is that the research shows is that when groups are actually under a bit of time pressure, they actually perform more optimally and they produce even higher quality decisions. Hmm. You obviously do a ton of speaking on this topic and consultative work. What surprises you as terms of the questions that you get when you're done with a book signing or done with a talk, what are the kind of frequent questions that you get that maybe shock you a little bit? Um, you know, I would, it's a really interesting question. I, I think that the piece that tends to surprise me is just how um, hungry people are for these meeting insights and how little they know already. Um, so people are, I mean, they're, they're just, um, they've re basically received almost no training in this topic. You know, they've observed meeting practices and then they recycle those meeting practices. And so like, I think what's just so surprising to me is that when I share these evidence-based insights, um, you know, people just, you know, voraciously, you know, write them down and, you know, want to get the book because, you know, clearly they know that there's, that there's a problem out there. And um, I think they're, you know, they're hungry for these, uh, these solutions. Um, the, the other thing that I think kind of surprises me is, you know, just how um, complacent organizations have been in trying to solve their meeting problem, mm. right? They know about this frustration and yet, you know, if you look at their engagement surveys, there's like no content around meetings. If you look at their training um, platform, um, there's typically almost no content around meetings. In fact, research suggests that only around 20% of leaders receive any training on meetings. Wow. And you know, this is highly problematic. And, and even if you look at the type of training they receive, it's, it's just not even aligned, you know, with the science. So those are some of the things that tend to surprise me. You hit on the timing component, and, and I've definitely fallen into that trap before. You hit to schedule a meeting with somebody, it defaults to 30 minutes or 60 minutes, and as a result, you make no change in the default. So beyond a timing perspective, as, as leaders or as people who are scheduling meetings, what are some other things that we can do that enhance the um, appreciation that others have of us after we've called the meeting and they feel like they actually got something out of okay. it. Can we increase participant satisfaction in the meetings that we are holding? Love it. Um, all right, I'm gonna give you a nice juicy one and one that people tend to get really excited about. Um, and I, I think it works beautifully. Uh, so when you think about um, meeting agendas, um, you know, everyone thinks that meeting agendas will save a meeting, and that's just not true. The research does not find a strong linkage between agendas and effectiveness. And, and if you really kind of step back and reflect, that's, again, that should not be a big surprise. Uh, what matters more is what's on the agenda. Uh, what matters even more is how, you know, the relevance, and what matters even more is how that leader facilitates the agenda. That's what truly matters, and that's the harder stuff. And I'm going to give you an example that real, I'm going to give you a real practical new innovation in agendas that I think addresses your question. 
So most agendas are structured as a set of topics to be discussed. What I want to challenge leaders to try to do is to structure their agendas, sometimes when, when relevant, as a set of questions to be answered. This is a fundamentally different exercise. By thinking of this as a set of questions to be answered, you really have to think about that meeting. You really have to think, well, what, would, what, what, what are you trying to truly achieve? By framing your, your items as questions, you have a better sense of who truly needs to be at the meeting, right? They're relevant to the questions. You know if the meeting has actually been successful, right? Because the questions have been answered in a compelling way. And if you just can't think of any questions, that's likely an indication to you that you don't need a meeting. That that whole concept really resonates with me. And as a leader or somebody who has structured a meeting, what should I be looking for in the room? And maybe asked another way, if, if I invited you to my meeting for you to do research about how I lead a meeting, what would you be looking for to showcase if I was effectual or ineffectual? Ah, neat. Um... So I actually do some of that work where I, I'm hired by organizations to kind of um, do leadership, you know, meeting coaching um, for leaders. And so some of the intervention would be, you know, you could observe a, a meeting and just see, are there side conversations? Are, you know, um, are people engaged? Um, are they kind of present? Are they listening to one another? Um, are there constructive disagreements? If the meeting is starting to go off the rails, are you as a leader looking to kind of uh, get it back in shape? So those would be some of the cues. And also another useful cue is to look at whether people are multitasking. Um, you know, multitasking is a symptom of sorts of a leader who's not done a good job. People will multitask more when the meeting is not highly relevant to them or if they just don't really have much opportunity to engage. Hmm. So those are some of the cues um, that you could look at. Um, and then I would also say that if you really want to improve your meetings, you know, the best thing you can do is do a quick survey of your attendees, right, of your team. Ask your team periodically what's going well with our meetings, right, what can we, um, what's not going so well, and what are some things that we can start doing differently, right? That's the ultimate act of um, kind of being a good steward um, by, you know, being interested in the opinions of folks who in many regards are held captive when you call a meeting. So you kicked us off by kind of talking about scheduling the meeting and not being so wedded to the default time. Then we talked a little bit about the agenda and then how to deliver in the meeting. What about closing out a meeting or following up? Sure. Um, you know, the, the, the best way to end the meeting is with, um, you know, first of all, don't end late. Um, we find that that is even more problematic than starting late. So you have to, you're gonna to need to end on time as a, you know, as a kind of an act of being respectful to your attendees. So, you know, certainly with a few minutes left, you should stop the meeting and do a summary of what was decided. And for everything decided, um, you indicate the DRI. And this is the language Apple uses. DRI is directly responsible individual. So you're making sure that before that meeting ends, you know, that everyone is clear on what was concluded and who's going to be the champion for that 
piece. So before we shift to the final two questions that we ask all guests, I want to close with this question. What are you the most curious about right now in the space of meeting science? Where do you think meeting science is going over the next couple of years or where do you hope that it goes? Yeah. So I'll just tell you my, my two main areas where I am engaged in a whole bunch of studies uh, right now. Uh, one, to no surprise, is virtual meetings. Uh, so I'm really um, kind of just getting into the topic from all possible angles, you know, to see how, um, you know, this switch to more virtual meetings um, is kind of being handled and the impact on individuals and teams. I don't think we'll, um, you know, I think virtual meetings are going to be used more and more um, than ever. So I think this is a particularly uh, relevant stream of research. And then the other piece that I've been really interested in is studying one-on-one -on -one meetings. So these check-in meetings that uh, leaders have with their folks. Um, and that seems to represent nearly 50% um, of someone's meetings. Um, and there's very, very little research on it. So kind of getting into those dynamics and how to make those one-on-one -on -one meetings uh, most effective. Hmm. Well, when that work is done, we will have to have you back on the show. And this has been a wonderful conversation, but we do still have time to ask you our final two rapid fire questions that I get to ask all of our guests. And the first one is this, Stephen, if you could describe your leadership style in one word, what would that word be? Um, so this is my hope that it's this, um, but stewardship, that would, that's my, you have to ask the people who are you know, the victims of my leadership, but that is certainly my aspiration, is um, the one word would be stewardship. And the last rapid fire question is this, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? You know, that's a, that's a, it's a, that's a really interesting question and I'm gonna just kind of get a, go around it. And that I don't think I've ever received one piece of advice that has been transformative to me. What I try to do though, is I think there's life lessons um, in, in almost every interaction that you have with people. And you know, my goal is to try to learn something you know, from everyone. And um, you know, I'm just very grateful to be surrounded by really good folks. And for those individuals who I think don't display the types of leadership behaviors that I personally would aspire to, you know, they provide great learning opportunities too, right? Because I can kind of have a better sense of you know, what I don't wanna do. And, you know, how to avoid those behaviors. So keep an open mind, open eyes, and open ears. And I think there's wonderful advice to be had um, all around you. So you're never seeking that one best piece of advice. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Stephen. Where can our listeners find out more about you? Uh, so certainly I'd, I'd love for folks to come to the website, um, stephenrokelberg.com. Um, again, stephenrogelberg.com. You can find all kinds of information about the book. Um, you know, there's all kinds of resources there that I think could be helpful for folks. So yeah, definitely. I, I hope people will check it out and um, find value. Well, thank you for all the great insight and thank you to all of our listeners for joining us. If you enjoyed today's show, we would love a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. And we truly appreciate it when you share our show with your network. You can find me on social media at Matthew Confer. You can find our show on Instagram at Learn to Lead Podcast, and you can find our organization Ability at ability.com. Be sure to subscribe to our show so that you get our next episode. And I want to thank all of you for joining us on the Learn to Lead Podcast.